Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Featuring at least three different books every week. Starring Martha Steele. The weirder the book, the better. Vonnie Golden. Historical fiction with a side of trauma porn. Keith Steigert. Reading the books your mother warned you about. Megan Runyon, reading YA, and whatever her current fixation is. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination, one book at a time, they are three book girls. Hot damn, guys. Our laptop just went black. We got it, though. Keith, you were talking while we were fighting with the power button. You were talking about a TikToker who kind of put some people in check about their reading or how people view readers. How people view readers. I thought that was probably the most spot-on observation about the way people talk about us. Yes. Yeah, it was, my friends don't read on TikTok, and it's titled, If We Spoke to TV, Movie, and Sports Viewers the Way People Talk to Readers. She does it with sports, too. She's like, oh, wait, so you're really into sports. So who's that guy on that team, like, and what happened in game three of like the world series in 1986 oh wait you can't remember wow you really don't like retain you really aren't in the moment when you're watching this huh she goes on forever though like she has so many good points who who, who is the user my friends don't read okay i'm gonna go follow her all one word <laughs> my friends don't read girl you totally get us Read the one about... Um, so, yeah, what did they say about, like, books about versus... About the books versus movies and TV. She's talking about, like, people who binge TV and, and like, watch movies and stuff. And things like, wait, so you watch TV? So you've watched three seasons of Gilmore Girls, like, this month? Do you work? Oh, you, like, so you don't have a job and you don't have a family. And that's how you can watch so much TV, right? Like... <laughs> I just love oh, that. Oh gosh, it's spot <laughs> it on. Is so I get that all the time. How can how can you read so many books? Like, um, cause that's what I do when I'm not doing anything else. So crazy. That's awesome. We're gonna I, give her a follow. <clears throat> Listen, I know you work for a radio station, but I get so sick of listening to the same songs that play on the stations. I know. Over and over. So I know. And I'm not saying that I don't take a break from books. And listen to the radio. Mm. But I was trying to see where you're going with this. I was sitting between them. I was like, there's going to be a fisticuffs and I'm in the no, middle. No, I, <laughs> I understand the flaws. After like a of my day workplace. Or two because of I work here. So if you're sick of it, imagine how sick of it I am. It's all because radio is a business. But so Bonnie's point ex- is that's why she reads books more. Right. I'm just saying oh. that's. I don't listen to it when I'm not at work. I listen to books. I listen to books in my car. I do in my car, except for when it's my turn to be on the radio, and then I listen to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Megan likes to hear her own voice. I must say, I got my segment in one take this week. Awesome. It never happens. Never happens. No, usually she's like, stop, start, stop, start. Get tongue-tied. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that's such a good... That's so true, though, because... You never hear somebody like, you watched seven, tw- like, 152 episodes of Dateline? You yeah. binged what? <laughs> yeah. Don't you have a life? Why? But it, 
It doesn't take that long to read a book, though. I mean, just because you read a whole series of a book in a month doesn't necessarily mean that you spend from 6 a.m. to 12 a.m. every day reading. True, true. but let's translate this. Okay, let's say a book is eight hours long, the the way Bonnie and I read. We listen to audiobooks. So it's eight hours long. If you watch two hours of TV when you wake up in the morning... Yep. And when you get home from work, you turn on the TV and it's on from, let's say, 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. How many hours is that? Like, what, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? Yeah, yeah, 4. Okay. That's 8 hours. That's 8 hours. That's one 8-hour book. And That's 6 hours, but continue. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and me and Martha also turn our volume up. So in 8 hours... We turn the speed, speed up. up. Or not, yeah. We turn the speed up, so... An eight-hour book doesn't necessarily take eight hours to nope, read. It doesn't, but it's true. I never. I love that that woman did that because, it, we as readers, we get that all. Well, oh my God, how did you read? That's a book a week. You read a book a week. When I tell yeah. people, like oh, I, I read, read four, a but week. even well, yeah, but, but even people, if you read yeah, like yeah. regular books and don't even do audio, like there was one year that Tyler, my son, he was young. He was like nine, uh, wanted me to watch the Super Bowl with him. I don't watch football. Listen, I'm not even going to play like I am interested in football. Do I understand football? Yes, of course. I live in Oklahoma. Of course I know what football is and I know what the calls are. But I sat there and read almost a full book during the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. Because it's what, like four or five hours long? Yeah. Yeah, the Super Bowl is particularly long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and near (laughs) halftime or so... Tyler looked at me and he's like, did you read half that book just during the football game? I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, the other really interesting thing is, is that if I'm reading a physical book, I read twice as fast. Do you? And I don't know why that is. Why? How could that? Because your brain can see ahead. You're like, you're, yeah. Some, I can't read that way. See, but I don't read that fast. Some peop- I can listen to a book that fast, yeah. but I can't read that fast. I can read way faster than I can listen. Yeah. Same. I can't too. That's how I, Keith gets so many done. I get distracted with audio. Like, I can listen to a podcast all day, but as soon as I try to listen to, like, a book, I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm 12 I, pages past where I thought I was. I used to have that <laughs> issue until I started turning up the speed because I think so much faster than... I, I do turn it up a little bit. Yeah, me too. Not like you guys do. And speeding up my books has ruined me to everything that's rec- pre-recorded. Now, when I listen to like the training videos at work, <laughs> I have to turn the volume up so that they look like, you know, they're spazzing out on my Zoom call. Oh, geez, that's a really good analogy, though. I like it. I'm going to use that against somebody someday when they're like, "How do you read that many books?" But like, "How do you watch so much TV?" <laughs> and I watch a lot of TV, so I can say both. <laughs> Just think about how many more books you could read, Megan, if you weren't watching the TV all no, the time. No, because I need the TV as a <laughs> as a break. Yeah, like, you need to take. I'm a break. messing with yeah. you, girl. I know. I, know. I mean, like, because you're doing so much better than you did when we first started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we first started, I think we overwhelmed you just a little bit. A little bit, but we got. But even now, people are like, "You read a book a week," and I'm like, "Yeah." It's not that hard. Well, now it's fine. So I sit in the lobby. We have like an upstairs kind of lobby at work and I sit and read at lunch and eat. And now like people are used to me being there and they're like, how's the book? (laughs) 
because I just went out of my office. I don't want to yeah. sit in the same spot. Oh. So now it's like a thing, like a couple, like date. Hey, her name you is might Daisy. start a trend. So da- one of the girls, her name is Daisy. She walked by me. And she's like, what are you reading? And so I was telling her and she was telling me what she was reading. She's like, we should do like an, an OBI book club. And I was like, I, I can't capacity that, but sure. <laughs> like if we can do it as a silent book club where we all just sit and read in the Marshall room and eat lunch, That's I'm down. That's what you should do. You should put up <laughs> a flyer. Or maybe read four days a week and then on the fifth day, Talk about what you read for the yeah. week. Oh, that's a good idea. See, it was it's that's like the book club that Vani and I had at the library, which started this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. We called it Open Book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on Wednesday nights, we'd all get together and talk about the stuff we read and recommend books to each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, hmm. But people are used to me sitting there now. So they kind of, but I think I might start going to the gym during lunch and read and at the, like on the, on the treadmill. Oh, oh, I tell you guys? Um, this is how bad I am. You know, I have that treadmill back there, right? Oh, you mean the tripping hazard in the podcast room? Yes, the tripping hazard. <laughs> so, of course, it. to be fair, it has been the holidays, and then I got really sick. True. Mm-hmm. And we don't use that room because we're up here. Yes, that is true. <laughs> I was putting stuff away, and I walked into that room. Ron mounted a TV in there. Where? Are you serious? In, so I could watch TV while I walk. Like on the well, but with the wall above the haunted futon? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And I go, oh, my God. Now honey, how long ago did you put that in there? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, oh, it's been up there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could probably, like, put the podcast stuff away now and, like, make that more. The minute I fucking do that, I we'll know. need it. That's true. A minute. Well, true. you know, we'll need it when we do the book sale. Yes. And, That's true. And we'll need it. Anytime I go on vacation. And we're going to need it to do the mini episode this weekend yep. for Patreon. Okay, yep. fair enough. Well, you could put one of the tables away. I could. Where Vani and I normally sit. Yeah, I could. We'd I need to crowd it around one table. I need to clean that fucking room out. The haunted futon needs I to know. haunt a new place. I, I, Megan has a hard on for the haunted I futon. I hate that thing. She it's awful. It. It's she not hates comfortable. It. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is when the people come over, like when our guests come, they have some place to sit while we do the podcast. You just Great. need a better I'll sofa right there. <laughs> I will find us a better seating thing. It can't be that bad because I swear I've it's seen It's not like, that bad. G fall asleep on it like 80 times. She did. Oh, I can sleep sitting up on it. It's when you try to lay down like a normal adult to sleep. Well, obviously. That you're like, oh, pole. Oh, God, there's another pole. Well, obviously, I'm not <laughs> asking anybody to sleep on it. I slept on Again. it. <laughs> now, this explains your hatred, Megan. It does. I hate that thing. I got a blow-up bed. Speaking uh, of that, Vonnie, I need my blow-up bed back. That's why I sleep oh, on okay. the couch now in the living room because it's more comfortable than the haunted futon. So I'm that, trying to remember to bring it So this that weekend. when we have guests over for my birthday, by the way, anybody who wants to come to Oklahoma City for the book sale, hit us up on Facebook. We will reserve a square of floor for you. <laughs> bring your sleeping you bag. When it is? February, February 23rd, 23rd, which is my birthday. It's a big party weekend. Whoop, whoop. And it's two like weeks before my birthday because we normally combine our birthdays. So we'll have a a combined Pisces. Yep celebration (laughs) and also we've been talking about and everyone can chime in on the squad page would anyone be interested in doing a book crawl with us through oklahoma city a bookstore book crawl through an independent yeah bookstore book crawl through like the edmond oklahoma city norman area 
maybe. We're kind possibly. of talking about trying to do it. We did talk about getting a party bus, but fuck you guys. Those things are expensive. They're We're just so going to have expensive. to carpool. Yeah. yeah. So there'll be no drinking involved in this particular crawl. No. Drink after. Yep. I'm going to have to vacuum out the echo hair. <laughs> the echo if hair. If anyone's going to ride with me. True that. <laughs> We'll make sure that we get everybody. It'll be a caravan that'll begin in Edmond and go all the way back to Tuttle. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll just hit all the bookstores on the way, and that way we can visit them all. We're trying to figure it out. We'll f- we'll get the logistics people to uh, to work this out and get, and and by logistics people, she means Megan and make us a map <laughs> with all the bookstores that we're going to stop at. I need a raise. <laughs> I'll give you a freaking raise. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know we appreciate you, Megan. You, you can have a 10% raise because 10% of nothing, nothing. is still nothing. nothing. Yep. This no, is true. Megan, you're so awesome. I'll give you a 20% raise. Dang. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. I feel so valued. So special. <laughs> I just don't know how to handle it. We We will plan this out. And if you'd like to join us for that weekend, just hit us up on Facebook. We'll reserve a square of floor for you. We'll have a big slumber party and everybody will have a fantastic time. And yes, we have had strangers stay with us before. So no worries. We've already got the bedrooms um, claimed by some of our longtime friends. And the, the big couch is mine, bitches. Stay away. <laughs> All right. Well, there's one more couch gone. And we did cut the other bed up, the one that was in the office. Ron cut it up into little pieces and threw it away a little bit at a time. Why? Because it was, I mean, it was just this big saggy mattress in the middle of our office for like three years. Oh, yeah. I was like, dude, we got to do something about this mattress. So I'm going to put the blow up mattress in the office. There you go. And maybe I'll get a second blow-up mattress, depending on who's coming. Well, I still have Tyler's blow-up mattress. Yeah, well, hell. Do you need it? <laughs> we might as well just, you know. He hasn't asked for it back yet, so. Uh, we got enough space in the house. We can get as many people as we want in there. We yep. might be a little tight, but we'll do it. Yep. So hit us up on Facebook and let us know if you want to come. Well, and it's book sale weekend as well. So the book sale, we're going to definitely do that as well. Yeah. Although every year I act like I'm going to come out of there with a whole bunch of books and every year I buy nothing because I get so sensory overloaded that I well, can't do like anything. Well, it's like 800,000 books in one place. It's, hard. it's yeah. huge. Well, and I know I've said it a hundred times, but when everything's just on the spine, I like my brain can't read that many things at one time. It's hard to focus. Yeah. And, and it's, it's crowded. And people and, elbow yeah. you like you're going to steal their firstborn child. Yeah. They'll be like, no, she might take that copy of Twilight. Uh, bitch, I have a copy of Twilight. <laughs> They're like, ugh. Yeah. It's like a Black Friday sale it in is. the 80s. And there's Cabbage Patches on the yes. shelves. It, it depends on what section you're in, though, I have to say. Because the sci-fi readers are so fucking awesome, man. Man, the YA bitches they just want to. They just want to visit and talk about the books and they're just super awesome. So it's you, y- it's you YA. Although assholes. I do find great joy every year that I inevitably find a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey in the YA section. Yeah. <laughs> they're everywhere. Well, the historical fiction section and the nonfiction section, sometimes you have to be careful because there's usually some older gentlemen. <laughs> Might knock them over. And we don't want any broken hips. Yeah. Oh. Including myself. Oh. Yeah, that's true. So. But I always go in with a plan. Like every year, I'm like, I'm going to look for these books. And every year, I'm like, I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I don't well, even know what books. I it's think gonna it's going to be a book 
weekend. I think Number- I want to find some Kristen Hanna books. Oh, there you go. Oh. I don't think I have a lot of her. I'm on probably my shelf. gonna try to find the reverse Fifty Shades where it's from Christian's point of view because I got the first one last year. Oh, I didn't even know that they made it. Yeah, and I haven't mm-hmm. read it yet, but I want to find the other two, but I don't want to like pay full price for them. So then I'll be sitting there trying to find like two specific. I feel like sometimes when you go in without a plan, you do better because you just pick up stuff. Whereas if you go in like if looking. If you have a list, you're, there's no fucking way you're going to find no. it. No. You start crawling Kaylee under tables. Kaylee used to go in with a list and she was real good at that, but for some reason she could focus. Yeah, I can't do I it. I can't do it. I can't do it either. I get in there and I'm like, sensory overload, run away. I'm like, I like this book and I like this book and I like this book. And then I get back to my house and I have like three of the same book. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well. Yeah. Obviously I like this book because I've bought it every time I've gone to the book sale. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Do, All right. So, Bonnie, what do we have in store this week? The book I read this week is called Truly Darkly Deeply by Victoria Selman. Why does that sound familiar? Truly Madly Deeply is okay. Leanne Moriarty. Okay, go on. Sorry. It actually makes me think of like a boy band song. Truly, darkly, deeply, I kill. <laughs> what boy band song is that? She's making, I'm it, making up. it up. Oh, Just like she-, she does when she walks the dog. It's her thing. It's AI. I, I got was that like, from did AI. together make a song I didn't know about? <laughs> so, the reason why I read this this week, and we talked to this about this a little earlier, I think before Keith was even on, is. Um, I have a coworker who's decided that she wants to start reading. And we were talking about British thrillers. I love British thrillers. And it got me in the mood for a British thriller and my book timed out at the library. So I was like, you know what? I am just going to randomly pick one out of the library. And I actually did a good job this time. Excellent. Because most of the time I don't. Most of the time I get halfway through and I'm like, what the fuck am I reading right now? But this one was good. This one was really good. So this is, like I said, uh, set in London in the 80s. And it is about a convicted serial killer who is serving life without parole named Maddie Melgren. But it is told in the point of view of Maddie's girlfriend's daughter, who was 12 years old when the murders took place. And... It goes back and forth between time periods. Um, it starts out that Sophie, who is the daughter of the girlfriend, um, receives a letter, and in the letter, it it's a letter from Maddie, and he wants to see her because he's dying of cancer in prison, and he wants to talk to her one last time. I don't think that she's actually ever gone to visit him in prison at this point, but he wants to talk to her, kind of, you know, put give closure on the whole situation. And it, it goes back and forth between her and her anxiety going to the prison to see him and her growing up with Maddie pretty much as a dad. Um, her real dad left when she was like two years old. So she hasn't seen him or heard from him or had any kind of contact since she was two. Sophie's mom, whose name is Amelia Rose, um, got together with Maddie when they moved to London from Boston when Maddie was like six. So they had been together for like 
six years before he was arrested as a serial killer. And it just kind of tells the story of the killings and the suspense told by what she's overheard in phone calls because she was a very nosy little girl and what's been on the television and about their creepy neighbor that they had and just her realization that this man who she looks at like a father and loves, you know, deeply like a father could actually be a monster and her coming to terms with that and her mother and her kind of like her change in attitude because she was so into the relationship. And I know so many women like this that when Maddie is arrested, her whole world crumbles and her whole attitude, her whole personality changes. And like Sophie's thoughts and trauma when that happens and how it affects her. And there's a lot about the murders in there. So it is a murder mystery and it is a suspense up to, you know, because the serial killer Maddie has never admitted to guilt. He's always said that they have the wrong person. Well, in my history of people named Matt, probably did it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my first boyfriend's name was Matt. Uh, See, pattern. (laughs) And um, it was just, it was a really good book. And she, the author, did a wonderful job with the thoughts of a 12-year-old because, you know, 12-year-olds can be little shit sometimes and they have attitude and it's definitely portrayed but not to the extent where it's unbelievable and she's just a brat. She's just a typical preteen and going through all this stuff and moving from Boston to London when she was, you know, six and having to go to a new school. And Sophie has definitely does have attitude. I can't, I kind of like Sophie. There you go. She's a pretty cool character in the book. Nice. And yeah, it was, it was a great book. Um, There was a twist in the end. I don't know if I really cared for the twist very much. I didn't really like the way that it, it turned, but it wasn't enough to make me sour on the whole book mm. because it was a great read. I loved it. When I was listening to it at work, I actually had to turn it off because I kept stopping work <laughs> so because I was listening to the book yeah. instead of working. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. I would recommend it to somebody. I don't know if it's gruesome enough for Martha. <laughs> mm, <laughs> probably not. But... Because they don't talk about, you know, all the blood and gore. They only skim through how the women that the serial killer is killing is found. And it's, I mean, there's a couple of. I don't always have to have gore. I just need a good story. There's a couple of good <gasps> moments and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> but um, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Definitely recommend it. And that again was called Truly Darkly Deeply by Victoria Selman. Perfect. Let's 
change gears a little bit, find out what treasures Keith has found on her shelf this week. So the book I'm reviewing this week is called Wildfire by Hannah Grace. Ah, I got to take my headphones off. I don't want nothing. I don't want to know nothing. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm taking them off. Someone just oh, cue me when Keith is stop done. Stop being so fucking dramatic, hey, Megan. I Drama am dramatic. Queen. I am dramatic, okay? <laughs> book, I love these authors. I don't want to hear it. So I, I'm going to let Keith Are talk. Are you just genuinely going to take off your headphones? I'm taking them off. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Keith. Megan's just going to have to suffer. So I want to thank Megan Rudloff, not not of our book, Megan, because she's mean. But Megan Rudloff at Atria for uh, giving me this book. It came out this past fall, and it's really good romance. It it's especially good if you ever uh, went to sleepaway camp the summer because that's the setting of this book, for the most part. Uh, so this book is about Russ and Aurora, who everybody calls Rory, and Russ and Rory go to the same college and. They have friends that are friends and they meet at this party and they have a connection and they really like each other and, and have sex at this party. They really yeah. like each other and have sex. <laughs> lots and lots of sex. I can't hear anything Keith's saying, but I can hear these two bitches. I know. But if this, I'm like not they're doubting ruining their sex. it for you. Um, hey, Megan, so there's sex Rory. in this book. Do you want to go out in the hall, Megan? I'm going to pick up my toys and go home. I'm going to break it. I'm going to take the computer with me. <laughs> I just got it working again. So the issue at this party after they've had sex is that Russ goes into the bathroom and he's in there for a while and he and Rory hears him talking and she's like, oh, this was just a one night thing. And he's giving me time to leave because he doesn't want to deal with me. So he's calling somebody on the phone. So she leaves and then he comes out and he's all like, oh, she only wanted a one night thing. I was going to ask her out like I really kind of liked her. And so both of them are kind of annoyed at the other because they kind of wanted to start something up and each thinks the other is only in it for a one night thing. So they go along their merry way and then the summer comes and of course they're not at college for the summer, but they somehow manage to be at the same summer camp. They're not going to summer camp because they're college students, but they are in charge of the eight to 10 year old campers. So there are six college students that are in charge of these campers. And of course the two of them are two of the six. So they have the most awkward first week because each of them are kind of trying not to look at each other. Russ is really upset because he thinks she just left and she's trying to be nice to him because she's like, Oh, it's fine. Um, I guess you just wanted a one night and then he's being, and then he won't make eye contact. She's like, well, that's kind of rude. I mean, you don't have to pretend I don't exist. It's very funny because there's so much miscommunication and they both have all sorts of issues anyway with intimacy. And they both many times throughout the book mentioned that they each have their own kind of daddy issues. But the problem with it is that Rory is the kind of girl who says everything she's thinking and shares all of her feelings and all of the thing, all of the issues she has 
And Russ is the kind of guy that is really, really private and does not say things. So the fact that she shares over shares and he shares nothing is a big issue. But um, it's a very, it's a very fun romance. It's especially fun if you ever went away to summer camp. I don't know how all summer camps are seem to be exactly the same, but I think they must be. I mean, I, I went to one when I was like 13, and that was a long, long time ago for people who are keeping track. And this summer camp seemed exactly the same. I guess they just don't update anything. But so if you are looking for a really fun romance that, I mean, this is not a rocket science kind of book. It's just two people who misunderstand and then who form a friendship while they're at summer camp. There's also this kind of forbidden kind of thing because, of course, they become friends and kind of want to date. But counselors aren't allowed to date each other at summer camp. So, But sometimes they do. I have a couple of friends who dude. got married. <laughs> they got married Sometimes after they meeting. Do. Yeah. I feel like that's all they do is do yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. but yeah, it was it was a fun little romance. I really like this author. So does Megan, which is why she's being all salty because I'm reviewing it and she hasn't read it yet. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I vaguely heard my name <laughs> through somebody's headphones. So I really recommend it. I liked it a lot. This was called, and this was Wildfire by Hannah Grace. She had plenty of fucking time. She could have read it. That's all I have to say about that. She's just being dramatic. And honestly, I like it. I liked it a lot more than I liked her first book, Icebreaker. Oh, Megan reviewed, and I liked that one a lot. So I, I like this one even. It's more. getting bumped up on the list now. <laughs> I, genu- I took a. Pay- I'll post it. I genuinely did take my headphones off and turn the volume completely down on them. <laughs> I took a picture for proof. I have my receipts. Put you in your receipts. Okay, Megan, go ahead and tell us what you read this week. All right. So this week, I actually, this is the my first official read of the year. This is where I started the year with. And I read Trail of the Lost by Andrea Lankford. And this is a nonfiction true crime or mystery. We're not sure if there was a crime or not. Uh, but this book, she follows the tale of three missing hikers from the Pacific Crest Trail. And the three hikers that we focus on are, so our three hikers stories that we follow are Chris Sullivan, and he went missing in 2015. And then we have Chris Fowler, who went missing in 2016, and David O'Sullivan, who went missing in 2017. Uh, So, a hiker a year, basically. And this is kind of the journey of what happened to them to try to get their stories told. So there's just kind of backstory on each of them a little bit. Chris Sullivan, the first one that went missing, his gear was found all together. It almost looks like he just like walked away from it. Like maybe he'd gone to go to the bathroom. We don't know. And a hiker... Another um, through hiker. So people hike the Pacific Crest Trail like they hike the Appalachian Trail. And the Pacific Crest Trail goes Canada to Mexico. And so they have through hikers and partial hikers and all kinds of terminology. So there was a through hiker who saw the gear, took a picture of it, because he's like, this is weird, sent it out to, like, the National Park Service, and they never followed up on it. 
And the problem with when people That's are janky. Yeah. Um, so the problem with when people are through hiking is that it's not uncommon to not hear from a through hiker for a week at a time. So people don't realize they're missing until they've now been missing for over a week or more, depending on the situation. Um, so Chris's family um, starts looking for him. And then Chris, the second Chris goes missing and he had just had kind of like a catastrophic life event and he just disappeared uh, on the trail and his mom and most of their families have just really never stopped looking for their sons because they they're somewhere they believe they're somewhere on the trail they they don't think any of them just ran off they think that they got lost or something happened to them and then we have david o'sullivan and he is he was actually from ireland and this story just kind of follows the searchers and the people that spend time and volunteer time looking for people who get lost in our national parks. And what's crazy is like no one is currently looking for these guys, except for like this one woman got super invested in their stories and she has like single-handedly like spearheaded and coordinated all of these searches. And it's just breathtaking that she just dove in and it kind of talks about the uh like the weirdo people that try to help that aren't helping at all that come in with like false information that they've gathered through a grapevine of people or people who are just weird and want to for some reason insert themselves into like dramatic situations it what was really fascinating was learning about like the the culture of through hiking because there's no way to track people once they're on the trail unless they have like a GPS or something like that. So when they were going to look for these guys, they had to just stop through hikers and be like, Hey, have you seen, and they all have trail names. So like one of them, um, I think it was Chris Sullivan's trail name was Sherpa. And they're like, Hey, have you seen Sherpa? And they'd be like, no, I saw him like, you know, a couple weeks back on this stop. And there's like, physical logs that people will sign into on the trail stops and the trail huts and whatever. Um, so they were having to just do old fashioned detective and like go from one trail stop hunt, hut, whatever to the next and having to find people that maybe have been in the area. So they were using a lot of social media saying, Hey, were you hiking in this area? Did, when was the last time you saw this person? When was last? And it was just, it was kind of crazy to me. They know who's hiking the Pacific coast or Pacific crest trail, because ever since the the wild book in that oh yeah came out yeah years ago everyone was like I'm gonna go through hiking and everyone's like no you're fucking not go sit down Karen <laughs> <laughs> these midlife crisis people are like yeah I'm gonna go hike and they're like great we're gonna come find you in six weeks when you can't walk because you have no feet left or whatever so they do issue you a permit of a time you're allowed to start hiking because that's how they control how many people are on the trail at any given time. But there's not hmm. like an official like check-in point. Like it says, okay, Megan, your start date is August 12th in Mexico. And you go, great, I'll start hiking north then or south or whichever way you're going on the trail. So you don't have a whole lot of ways to track people. And it was just insane that there's not some kind of better system other than just the the through hikers and the hikers looking out for each other, which is very common, I feel like, in the hiking community. Um, 
also when people go missing in different sections of the trail. So they have what they call like the last known place and then they have the last seen place, which are not always the same. And it's like a judicial nightmare on the trail because as the trail weaves, it goes in and out of different towns and cities and districts. And Oh, yeah. And so they're like, well, we so lost jurisdiction. Is it? Yeah. In? Oh. So who's who's supposed to spearhead the hunt? Because we don't know where they are and where to like we know where they were last seen. But that doesn't mean that was like where they're last known. Loca- like someone saw them here, but maybe we know for a fact that they were here because they signed a log here. So which one, which district's in charge? So that was kind of fascinating of them kind of pissing match. Actually, not even like a pissing match. It's more of like a, an avoidance. Hot potato. Yeah, like a hot potato. Um, and probably all really small police departments in yeah. very rural areas. They don't have many resources. Nope. And the National Park <laughs> Service has their investigators, but there's how many millions of acres of National Park and how many National Park not many research like fbi agents basically is what they are um and learned really interesting thing which kind of makes sense but also kind of stupid drones are illegal in national parks that makes about zero sense right and so when they try to say like now that drones are more prevalent since 2017 when david went missing they're like hey can we bring drones in because we can cover a lot more ground by being able to look at drone footage and they're like, no, they're not allowed. And they're like, okay, but we could find these missing people. No, we don't do that. We can't do that. We're not going to lift the well, There's always a chance that the drone's going to malfunction and something's going to, and it could harm the ecosystem, I would imagine. Oh, for it's sure. Probably a variety of things. Um, if you're in a, a really heavily wooded area, a drone is not going to show you very much. No. Also, you, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you, they have a very short um, like range. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's, yeah. I'm sure there are lots of reasons. Plus, birds, you know, birds well, don't yeah. like drones. No, Plus, so and they're probably going to be. I mean, I don't mean to be an asshole, but I don't, I don't know anything about that trail because I'm not out there. But here we have the Appalachian Trail, yes. and if you want to hike it, nobody, there's like, I've had people, I've known people who have hiked it, and I mean. You need to have your support systems in place. Yes, hundred percent. You need to have your check-ins, and you and because this is like on you. Because if you get lost, like yeah. or you, I mean, that's it. Yeah, and they did, and that's why people get re- they finally get reported missing because they missed that check-in point or right. whatever. But it could have been a week, and God knows where they are in a week. Right. Um, so, the, but I mean, it's unfortunate. I just don't know. There's no easy answer. Yeah, there's not for sure. Uh, but they did prove, they used, there was a woman, she was not the main point of this book, but she was part of the drone conversation, that she was an elderly woman, had like walked off, had dementia or something, and mm. she was not that far off the trail, and they they were could not find her, couldn't find her, couldn't find her. She And then she that part that she was on was not part of the national park, so they could take the drones out, and within like 10 minutes, they found her. I mean, she had, it had been months, she had, was deceased, but... If they hadn't been able to use the drones, they had walked past her. So it's kind of like a catch-22 kind of situation. Uh, But it was just a really fascinating story of, and how many people selflessly put themselves at risk to even find remains for family. Like the um, Andrea that wrote this book, I think it's Andrea. I don't think it's Andrea. I think it's Andrea. Like she went out looking on a 
one of the trails and fell and like broke her ankle and had to like crawl up to the mountaintop to get signal to say, I need help. And she was like, if any of them fell or were injured here, there's no way in hell that they would have gotten out unless somebody found them. She's like, I'm an, she's a former park ranger, FBI. I don't know exactly. I can't, I didn't write down her exact title. I should have. Um, so she is well prepared and experienced. She slipped and stepped wrong. So, I mean, it was just really fascinating hearing the stories and just the dedication of people because the sheriff's department will be like, we're not helping you search. And this one lady from, I forget where, who's just so passionate about it. She just, she would be like, well, great. We don't really care if you're coming because we're going. So either you come help us or you have to come rescue us. Those are your choices. <laughs> and they'll be like, fine, we'll fucking show up. And that would kind of motivate them to bring the police department because they were like, well, we want to know where you guys are so that it, like we can track you guys. Uh, so it was just, and it's heartbreaking at the same time as you read it because you're just like, oh man, like, are they going to find them? Are they not going to find them? What's happening? Um, just fascinating. I, cause like Keith, I know a fair bit about App- the Appalachian trail cause I lived on the East coast. So hearing about the Pacific crest trail was really kind of fascinating and all the different temperature variations as you go from like Mexico to Canada and back and how if you hit it at just the wrong time, that blizzard could just blow you off the side of the mountain and no one would know. And uh, it was crazy. Kudos to through hikers because I will not be you. And if I am with you, I'm sorry because I'm there against <laughs> my will. <laughs> uh, Everybody, but- let's kidnap Megan or make her hike. I can hike. I just don't want to free climb over a mountain in a blizzard. But if there's, you know, it's, did they walk off on their own? Some of them had, some of them were going through divorces or just finished going through divorces. So, you know, did they disappear on their own or did someone like cult in the woods, kidnap them and kill them? Or, you know, just lots of different options. Fascinating statistic from, cause there's somebody who wrote a whole book to help searchers like, you know, put, together ways to search effectively adults are found within two miles of their last location children toddlers are could be found as far as five miles from their last location oh stupid talk right and so i was like that's so weird but i was like but think about it as like in girl scouts and stuff when you would hike they always said if you got lost stop moving mm-hmm because somebody will, like, if you keep moving and someone's looking for you, they can't find you. Whereas, like, if you're a toddler, like, they just fucking keep going until they hit something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they're just toddling along. Like, And so I thought that was really interesting that adults, to some extent, will just, will stop. Because we've been taught that our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, and they did, um, they found remains of some other people on their hunts. So, you know, the, the, they get closure for for some other families, but it was just fascinating. I wish I don't think I wrote down the uh, how many total missing hikers there. There have not been that many missing hikers on the Pacific Crest Trail that are still missing. They may have been missing at one point, uh, but they, you know, their remains were found or they were found or whatever. If you like true crime, I picked it up at Crime Con. It was just a fascinating read on a topic that. Needs probably a lot more attention because I think missing person cases are important to to solve, to just give closure. So I highly recommend it. And that is Trail of the Lost by Andrea Lankford. And yeah. Awesome. 
If you're a through hiker and find remains, call the National Park Service. Lovely. Or Lovely. Weird shit laying around that shouldn't be there. Okay. If you come across a dead body, maybe call the authorities. Yeah. You think? Well, the one guy did. He sent the picture of the gear and said, this is fucking weird. And took him far too mm-hmm. long. Well, I to... just said, you said, if yeah. you find a corpse. Yeah. No, I'm just like, oh, look at a dead person. Let's go up to this rock. Honey, <laughs> honey, no. look. Get the camera. Well, you know, you never know what people walk yeah, past. Yeah, people are weird. All the, well, and you just walk past just stuff joking. all the time. Don't do, am I the only? Is it because I'm a true crime fan that when I'm driving through wilderness, that's when I look out at like empty expanse and like Wyoming and stuff, and be like, how many dead people are I out there missing? I have been thinking that for years. Yeah. If you grew up where I grew up, yeah, yeah. Every it's time I so, drive through like a really wooded so area, empty up there. Yeah, I'm like, you how many people be have been murdered and their remains are just out there somewhere? Yep. Because the, no one's looked for them there yet. Okay, <laughs> moving right along to Martha. I found a book for my shelf. Mm. Actually, I found three books that I loved this week. Three, three five-star reads back-to-back. Wow. You've I had know. a good week. I've had an excellent week. This week, I'm going to review a book called Beautyland by Marie Helene Bertino. <laughs> Officially, I believe this book is a sci-fi novel. But honestly... It doesn't feel like one at all because all of it takes place on Earth. And it's about a little girl who, when she's five years old, she gets activated. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a sci-fi at all. She gets active. Well, just listen. Basically, it was just like reading a diary of either myself or a friend growing up because there were so many details about being a kid and the things that you went through as a kid and the observations you make as a kid. But the only difference was, is this little girl, her mother is one of those, I think she's like a trash panda who just like picks up all this stuff. And, oh my God, that's a perfectly good fax machine. And she brings it home and she doesn't have a place to put it. So she sticks it in her daughter's room while her daughter starts sending faxes to her superiors because all of a sudden she has these dreams that make her realize that she is an alien. And I so love that the aliens have a fax machine. Well, it, exactly. I mean, cause this is, it's, this take, takes place like in the, I want to say late seventies, yeah, early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she makes observations about, humans and about the world around her and sometimes she just would ramble on about stuff and send the facts off and of course she always has questions and they would answer back with like one word they're very unhelpful aliens is what I was thinking this whole time (laughs) but she was activated about the time that that you remember when Carl Sagan they they sent that um golden record up into the Voyager space spacecraft. It was about the same time. So there were overlaps there to kind of give the story a little bit more beef. But her, the, the main character, I'm going to say her name's Adina. Yeah. 
She was born in 1977. And so I was born in before that, but in the same general area. So a lot of this stuff was very nostalgic for me. I could relate to 100% of, well, maybe not 100% because I didn't live in the city and she lived in the city and she lived next door to this really big Italian family and those were her friends and the interactions between them and her and just basically her whole experience growing up is what you get. But you also get this fascinating list of conversations between her and her superiors. Well, of course, when she's a teenager, she gets really pissed off one day because they don't answer her, give her good answers. She's like, why am I even bothering? She unplugs the fax machine and refuses to communicate for a while. Because, you know, when you're a teenager, you do stupid shit like that, right? And But she also, in, in concert with the, those conversations, they train her in her sleep. And there were times when I was reading this book that I wondered if she was just maybe a little mentally ill. But there's one section in the book that really convinced me. She was taking Italian in school and she was struggling. She was having a very hard time with it. And she goes to sleep that night and they train her in Italian Hmm. while she's asleep. And the next day she goes to school and she reads out the passage that she's supposed to have done in, in all the right inflection. She does the whole thing. And, and they're trying to figure out how she fucking cheated. <laughs> Interesting. She's a delightful person, Adina is. She is snarky and funny and delightful in all, all the ways that make you keep listening to this book. I could not stop. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to read this book nonstop. It was, I didn't cry or anything at the end. But I was, I'm, I'm very attached to her. Hmm. I, I thought it was just an incredible story of a person I genuinely liked. I enjoyed being around her. I enjoyed hearing about her life. And usually when there's a science fiction angle involved, I'm pissed off that I don't get more science fiction. I had zero problem with it this time. There was really, honestly, very little science fiction involved. Huh. It was mostly about Adina and her life. I highly recommend this, especially for maybe people who don't like science fiction that much. Because it's a really good almost like entry-level science fiction for somebody who might be interested in, because there's not much outer space-ish stuff happening. Okay. You don't have to suspend your disbelief a whole lot. Now, there was one head-scratcher. If, if I were to change one thing about this book, and it, it would only be one thing, and that's the title, because it makes no sense. Okay. She mentions this the department store a couple of times throughout the book, but it doesn't have huge significance that I could see yeah. to the total story. And I just was kind of scratching my head when I got to the end and went, okay, I kind of thought that would be more prevalent in the book. Or maybe maybe I would have understood a little bit better why she named it that. But 
probably, I can, I'm looking into the future now. December of 2024, this book is going to be on my list of my favorite books of the year. Damn. Not only did I give it five stars, but I already ordered a copy for my shelf. And it is just a great book. What else can I say? If you had aliens call aliens from the the planet, you can't you can't pronounce the name of the planet she's from, but it sounds like Planet Cricket Rice. Planet what? Cricket Rice. What? <laughs> I know, right? Oh. And she's a five year old, you know, when she starts going through all this. So I'm sure there are some some weird. I don't know. So delightful. Anyway, read this book. Even if you're not a big sci-fi fan, I think you'll enjoy it. It's mostly five-star ratings. That's pretty good. It's really, really good. I'm trying to find this book. I was on um, hold for it. Because, you you know, I do look ahead to see what's coming up in science fiction. and So I was ready when this thing came out. So I looked over at your screen because I could not remember the title of the book. When you said Beauty Land, it like sparked a memory. The Tyra Banks wrote a book called Model Land. Oh my God, yes. So that's what I was scrolling for because I was like, that's why I looked over to see what the cover was. I was like, did Tyra Banks like sell her book title with a different author? And I've heard that that was the most hideous book ever written. It was not great. Yeah. I gave it two stars on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. And we know that I am loosey-goosey with the stars. (laughs) And I, but I oh, read, and by the way, this book has a purple cover. Thank you very much. Hey! So I got to tick one off my list. Okay, friends, that's it for me on Beautyland by Marie Helene Bertino. I, I just wish our listeners could have been in the studio with us today with the computer insanity to get this episode done. Our computer bricked itself momentarily. Then it stopped recording at random. I don't know. I think it's, I think this studio is haunted by ghosts of DJ's past and they just get mischievous in here. It was like a conspiracy that we we were talking about the people on my TikTok with their their crazy (laughs) cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs tunnel theories. All of a sudden, when we're dissing the right wing. Here comes the brick on my computer. The the laptop just went black. Yeah. Anyway. Jokes on them. There are actually tunnels in OKC, but here and over there. Accurate. (laughs) Mary Anna Evans wrote a book about it. Yep, I have that book. I bought it. Yeah. I haven't read it yet because you read it first, but it's on my shelf. That's a good book. I know. I'm excited about it. I remember her at the book fest talking about when she started Googling tunnels and like stuff that like the Oklahoma FBI showed up at her front door mm-hmm. because they're like, why are you trying to find tunnel passages? And why are you trying to find all this shit? Crazy. Hopefully no more earthquakes for like at least another year, but I doubt it. Let's close out this bad boy. We got anything funny to end with? Bonnie looks tired. I, I'm also tired. I took a nap today. I'm tired of my butt's falling asleep. My underwear's so far up my crack. I'm just <laughs> chewing on it. <laughs> It's the only bad thing about having pants that are a little bit big that when you pull them up, then your underwear keep going up. I'm reading a filthy book right now. Are you reading a book that will make Keith blush? I'm pretty sure. Or make your mom blush? It's not the thing. What, make what your is mom it? blush. What, what? I don't think there's any 
even think about blushing. I, I thought it. I'm I, pretty sure it does. Megan wrote it, so you know how she's fast and oh, loose with the. Oh, your mother blush. You're right. Can you say that louder, just for one more time? <laughs> you were right. Okay, thank you. God, I don't have a problem saying that. You're so high maintenance. She's being very drama this week. She is very, dramatic. I don't know if it's because she's wearing this pink sweatshirt or oh, what. Oh, yeah. But she has got, next time, we need to make sure and bring the tiara to the <laughs> recording studio. We need to get Megan a portable tiara for her headphones. Mm-hmm. No, it's because I took a nap. <laughs> You're snarky because you took a nap? Yeah, she's all feisty and I stuff. I came home from Tulsa. And I had a headache because I forgot my sunglasses. And so then I took a nap because I was like, I can't feel like death warmed over at the podcast. So I took a nap. So now I'm energized. And the and us two over here are crotchety because we didn't get a fucking nap. And I, I mean, a when milkshake I, and hot chocolate. When I was tired, I just had to drink more caffeine because I had to work today. Mm. I did work today. I worked. I worked like 12 hours yesterday. Because I drove to Tulsa, then worked a blood drive, and then worked another blood drive today. Stop measuring your dicks over there, you two. <laughs> Yours might be longer, but mine has more girth. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I love a girthy one. Hey, thick is the new. <laughs> thick is the new thin. What were you going to say? Thick is the new black. Thick is the new orange. The new pink. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you need to call a physician if it's orange. <laughs> either, that if it's or green. Been, either that or you've been, been using tanning cream. <laughs> no more turmeric for me. <laughs> okay. All right. That's going to do it for Three, Three Book Girls. If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls Squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production.